A historic week for rugby in New Zealand with the first All Black to come out as gay. But how difficult is it to be gay and play a tough sport at the highest level? The English cricket team have landed in New Zealand so we get the inside goss from someone in the know. We meet the star of the White Ferns Under-19 World Cup campaign and the Breakers basketball team are one step closer to securing a playoff spot for the first time in five years. Kia ora Aotearoa, I'm Zoe George and this is The Podium, sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. Before we crack into sport, we have to send our araha to our whanau in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, who are experiencing some of the worst flooding Aotearoa New Zealand has ever seen. Four people have died, countless homes have been condemned and major venues including Eden Park, New Zealand's largest stadium, were completely flooded. But communities have been helping out, boxing champion David Tua, members of the All Blacks and men and women from the Blues Super Rugby teams also lent a hand giving out necessities to those in need. The Blues have also started a collection drive for towels, blankets, sheets and pillows. And if you are in the position to help and live in Auckland, please drop off any donations to Blues headquarters at 32 Campbell Crescent in Epsom. Major stadium venues across the city have also been impacted by flooding. Auckland stadiums have said storm damage assessments are underway, but early indications suggest there hasn't been any significant damage to North Harbour Stadium, meaning the FIFA World Cup qualifiers will go ahead on February 17th. FIFA have also said they have a backup plan just in case. To keep up with this developing situation or to find information on where you can get help during this difficult time or where to donate, follow all our rolling coverage at stuff.co.nz. The English cricket team has arrived in New Zealand ahead of their test series against the Black Caps in Tauranga and Wellington, but are taking some time out to chill this week before starting friendly matches next week in Hamilton. So we thought, who would be great to come on and talk about the series? None other than England test captain Ben Stokes, biggest fan, mum Deb Stokes, joining us from Christchurch. Kia ora, Deb. Good morning. Now, I have to start by asking, do you actually like cricket? Like cricket, I love cricket. I have always loved cricket. I played a lot of cricket, indoor, outdoor. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm well invested in. I'm a fan. Put it that way. <laughs> well, it would be a bit tough if you weren't. Yeah, true. I'm probably no option. I would have probably had to just give myself a good shake. And if I if I didn't love it as much as what I did, even before Ben was born, yeah. Um, so Ben and the team are in New Zealand have you had a chance to see him yet and it must be so lovely to have him back on home soil Uh, well no actually because um, they flew into Auckland eventually after being stuck in Dubai just with the weather up in Auckland as it was and then um, they flew straight from Auckland the next day um, and to Queenstown and that's where they're doing their team bonding session Yes, and also, yeah, just just chilling out and and doing some training, obviously, prior to the total on the test. Will you be following around the teams while they're here? Um, I'm only going to be able to go to the um, Wellington test. I am so very much looking forward to seeing him. So 
at least I'm, go I'm going to get to see him because I, was, I wasn't best pleased when the schedule came out and there was no test here in Christchurch. So you're coming up to Wellington. They're fundraising for victim support. That's fantastic. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, I, I received a, a message from Chris Millard, who is, you know, pretty much runs the Barmy Army or, you know, they do have a big team. And he just asked if I knew of, if I would like to nominate a local charity for for the tour. And so I got I got back to him immediately and I said, yes, victim support, because victim support are in essence a charity, even though we have, are funded very well by the Ministry of Justice. Uh, and anyway, they took that on board. And, and while it's only a short tour, because there's only two tests, um, you know, we don't, we're hoping that we get some good dollars in the coffers. I mean, do you ever think, what if we hadn't gone to the UK? Maybe Ben could have been the captain of New Zealand rather than England. Maybe. You never know. He, he obviously, you know, before he left, it, his talent had been recognised not only by Canterbury School Boys, but Canterbury Cricket, but also when we lived, moved to Wellington for a couple of years, um, he was picked up straight away um, with the Academy in Wellington. It was always going to be his destiny, I think, to um, to be where, well, not so much to be where he is today, but to have made, made an impact on the game, wherever he was. Have you seen a bit of a change in him since Brendan McCullum's joined the team? Not really a change. It's more like he has developed more personal skills. I mean, he's always very skilled at the game, but his man management and his ability to bring people together has been really good to see. And he always had it in him, I, I feel, but he just needed um, some guidance, shall I say, to, to bring it all together. And obviously, Brendan and Ben uh, get on very well. And, and I sort of think to myself, you know, oh, well, they're both Kiwis. They have to get on well. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that Kiwi connection. So, Deb, what is it about Brendan and Ben's uh, relationship and, and strengthening their English team? They're both from Aotearoa. Uh, they've both made huge steps in cricket in, in their own careers individually. And I can remember Ben saying to me, we just clicked, Mum. And 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 that's and that's what it was. And and they're singing off the same song sheet, which is the most important thing. That and, and you know, perception is everything in the in this, because you can tell what a close relationship personally and professionally that they have. And I think that has has worked really, really well and long may it last. Um, he must, and he obviously values that New Zealand connection. He's got some tattoos that connect back to your whakapapa, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And and I can recall when we were living in Cumbria, Ben had said, oh, I want to get a tattoo, Mum. We sat him down and I, and I said to him, I said, okay, so what do you want? What do you want? He said, oh, I don't really know. And I said, well, um, I'm not going to give you permission to do this, Dad, and I'm not going to give you permission to do this. And you need to design something that means something to you, that reflects your heritage and how you are now living in the UK. And he did that. And so we gave him permission. And from there, he has been, he does have a lot of tattoos, but every single one of them means something to him. It's not like, you know, he's he's had a, had a star <laughs> tattooed on, on his backside or anything like that. That was really important. And 
yeah, as they say, he does have a ton of ink. So I don't think he's got much, I don't think he's got much room left for any more. <laughs> well, back to the cricket. Um, who are you going to cheer for? Oh dear, we've always had the same approach when the Black Caps are playing England. Is that we literally fence it. We will be really pleased if Ben does well, and we'll also be very pleased if the Black Caps do well. Deb, it has been an absolute delight talking to you. While we wish Ben all the very best for the series, um, go the Black Caps. I think. <laughs> Read more from our interview with Deb Stokes on stuff.co.nz. It's been a historic week for rugby in New Zealand with the first ever All Black to come out. On Monday, All Black number 1056 prop Campbell Johnstone, who played three tests for the All Blacks in 2005, along with the Crusaders and Canterbury, revealed he was gay. To get some insight on what it's like to come out while still playing, producer Philippa Tolley spoke to Australian rugby league player Ian Roberts in Sydney, who confirmed his sexuality nearly 30 years ago. And just a quick heads up, this interview contains some colourful language. I came out on the kangaroo tour, actually, when we were touring the uh, UK. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was, at the time, I was about 28, 29. But, but I will say, it was the worst kept secret in rugby league that I was gay, because I was never really closeted, particularly when I was at Manly, and I went there in 1990. Uh, um, in fact, my, my partner used to be the, you know, the team mascot, the, uh, the big seagull. Uh, it's the guy running around a big stuffed seagull. That used to be my partner. <laughs> and everyone knew uh, Shane was my partner. It was also something that I never felt like I had to announce. And I was, and looking back now, that, was, that, I, I would, that is something I regret, like, that I always thought like I should just be allowed to be gay and take my partner to, um, to functions or whatever. It shouldn't have to be announced. I look back now and I do realise I wish I'd, I'd been more um, proactive in that space you know, I can I can look back now and, and wish I'd never been in the closet. Like I wish I I played my whole professional career as a gay man. You had a reputation as a hard man. Was that was that part of a, a different persona that you put on, or did was that just you altogether? So that was kind of all all mixed. It was kind of all thrown in the mix. Yeah, and no, I get what you're saying. Yes, I did try. I mean, I uh, particularly I was playing badly. I, uh, my defensive style was yeah was quite aggressive, and that, but that was all part of it too. Like I mean. Not that I felt like I had to prove myself, but I, in the same breath, I also did feel that. And that's why I knew it was like, when I did, when I initially came out, it was kind of such a clash that this is guy playing rugby league, a front roller, has quite a, like a, a vicious soda on the field, and he's gay. I mean, for all that, for anyone who's potentially bigger, they're kind of fucks with their head a bit. But I mean, and that's what I'm saying, like, uh, about the whole thing about, stereotypes that people still and the biases people still have and the more visibility we have then the less of those biases and the less of those prejudices we'll see because it's like anything when I, when I came out yes there were some, some people who weren't happy or weren't comfortable or whatever but that, that all changes after a while because they still they seem to get very comfortable you know, and it becomes normal, it becomes normal. like oh uh, yeah he's going that becomes just I become just part of the scenery it's just like it's it, it's not an issue did you get any bad reactions from fellow players, from other teams? How were the fans? Yeah, I used to use a lot of humour when dealing with situations like that. Um, 
there's stuff like, you know, the locker room stuff, like in showers, and then if someone, you made out that they felt uncomfortable when I was in the shower there, you know, in that space where the mum, my, my, I mean, my typical response was, you know, don't flatter yourself, you're safe. <laughs> you know, but so I used to use a lot of humor, but, um, I mean, it's, it's to the right, you like it, but there's, you know, there's, I got a sign. I mean, you've only gone looking in, in the uh, newspapers today at, um, uh, in Sydney, there, there was a survey of all the uh, the NRL coaches. Uh, were they? Um, what was their thoughts on having a, a, a pride round this year uh, for the NRL? And fifty percent of the of the coaches are against it because they think it'll cause too much trouble within there. I mean, we still have a long way to go. Let me tell you, late and you, and you can, like, for young people struggling, particularly young people struggling in the suburbs and that with their own identity. You know, it's. You can't you can't be what you can't see, and like the more visibility we have, you know, I don't I don't want to start quoting those those horrible statistics that um, of self harm and then around the LGBTQA plus community, but you know, in, in the last three years they've increased. The things I'd like, there's still a lot of work to be done, and company, you know, we need to have this conversation. We need to keep poking the bear. Where is your quality? Wasn't the uh, the end of it? We know that the, the prejudice. And discrimination comes from lots of quarters. But when you go this long until an All Black feels comfortable to say, yes, I'm gay and I played for the All Blacks, would you think the sports administration needs to be looking at itself? Obviously, we've got, you know, societal things going on as well. But if you were looking from a distance on the outside, say, you know, something more needs to be done here. Like, you know, if you think that the Campbell's the first All Black, is a bit, you know, the first going All Black, you know, come on. But, but you know, let's... Um, I'm going to say it like it, but people don't like to hear this. It's still particularly meant to contact sports. You know, here in here in Australia, uh, yeah, we have rugby league, rugby union, soccer, and the AFL, and the Australian Aussie rules. I'm telling you, because this, this, they're all contact sports and, and, and team sports, um, it's still seen as a, as a real weakness to be gay. Like, there, there is still that perception out there. And, you know, and like, I just want to, Pay tribute to women's sport because women's sport, all over this, they've got this all sorted. They're like this whole bracing of, of of each other in the situation. It's almost like not an issue in any way. My uh, my commentary would be about about rugby league and what I do know here. It's like the NRL, uh, the National Rugby League. They have a, a float in the Mardi Gras. They've had that now for about the last six years, but they're still very reluctant. To, and they're still really terrified of having a pride round. It's almost like they're, they're willing to tick that. That, you know, it's, it's almost like I feel like sometimes they're just ticking a box. If you say you're inclusive, then you need to be inclusive. We need to be mature enough and old enough to have this conversation. Yes, it's okay to disagree, and you know, we can still get on, but let's have the conversation. It's almost like this conversation is, is still too taboo. You know, it's, it's the economics, I suppose. It's a bottom line. All rugby union, rugby league is, is a business after all. You can read more from the interview with Ian at stuff.co.nz. Cricket fans, remember this name, Georgia Plimmer. The 18-year-old Wellington Blaze batter has just joined the White Ferns for the T20 Cricket World Cup in South Africa. It's her second World Cup in the space of two weeks after she was part of the first ever New Zealand women's team at the Under-19 T20 World Cup where they made it to the semi-finals. Woo-hoo, great stuff. Plimmer was the only Kiwi to be named at the ICC Under-19 World Cup tournament team after shining 
shining throughout the tournament, including anchoring the batting innings in the semi-final against India, who went on to win the competition, and she took an absolute ripper of a catch. She joins us now from South Africa via Zoom. Kia ora, Georgia. Hey, yeah. So I heard you went on safari yesterday. What animals did you see? Uh, it was really good. We saw giraffes and like a huge herd of elephants, which is pretty pretty good. You don't see that in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, unless you go to the zoo. Um, at the tournament, obviously, there's going to be some big game animals to chase. Who's going to be the toughest competition for the white ferns, do you think? I think it's pretty hard to go past Aussie, the, the winners of last year, and they've just obviously been smashing it around the world. So I think they'll probably be the toughest comp. Mm, and congrats on being selected for the under-19 tournament team. Well done. Were you surprised? Yeah, definitely. I think there were some some really outstanding performers in the under-19 World Cup and some people that hadn't been really noticed before. So I think it was, but it was a surprise to get in, but very, very happy to be in there. Well, you played incredibly well. So, uh, I mean, you anchored, like I said, you anchored that inning. So you kind of stuck at it for the longest time at the semifinals. But it's a bit of a step up from under-19s to, you know, the actual World Cup uh, with the White Ferns. Are you ready for that step? And and what are you taking with you from the under-19s to this World Cup? Yeah, definitely. I think having that under-19s, obviously, in the same country, so being able to get used to those conditions a bit, but also being able to have more of a leadership role and in the under-19 team, meaning that I could stay out there in the middle and get some game time in the middle, which I think will be good heading over into the Senior World Cup. The White Ferns' first World Cup game is against Australia on February 12th, and you can follow all the World Cup action at stuff.co.nz. In basketball, the Breakers have found form at the right time as they head into the final rounds of the regular NBL season with second spot within reach. Stuff sport journalist Mark Hinton, kia ora. Yeah, good morning, Zoe. What's the formula for the Breakers for their away games against the Hawks on Thursday and the Brisbane Bullets on Saturday? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a big final round of the NBL regular season for the Kiwi club as they look to complete, Zoe. A quite remarkable turnaround. Um, this is a team that went 5-23 and 23, uh, last season when they spent the entire campaign on the road, as we know, in Australia because of the COVID virus. So uh, they're sitting 17, uh, sorry, 16-10, and 10, heading into two road games to wrap up the regular season. They're at Illawarra Hawks tonight, Thursday night, late in New Zealand time, 9.30pm, and they wrap it up in Brisbane on Saturday. Two wins guarantees them second spot, Zoe, which would be um, a very important finish. Uh, second gets you straight into the semi-finals, gets you home advantage. So a lot to play for for the Breakers. One win out of those two might be enough as their nearest rivals for second spot, the Kings Taipans, have a tough finish in Perth on Friday night. So uh, two wins to wrap it up, Zoe, and uh, the Breakers will be sitting pretty for the NBL playoffs. Oh, can you believe it? First time in five years that they head into postseason. They finally have a full squad fit and available. How crucial is it as they head into these final regular NBL season games? Yeah, it's very important to have all, all your um, hands on deck, as it were, Zoe, and the breakers do now. They've got everyone fit. Barry Brown, Isaiah Leafa, their last two injury worries are both fit again and playing. So they've got a full squad. Dean Vickerman, the Melbourne coach, and ex-breakers, a championship winning coach, um, said they're a formidable force after they beat Melbourne on uh, at Spark last weekend. Formidable force with all hands on deck and a very, very effective defensive team. So um, 
Uh, with all those players, though, it gives them depth. It gives them uh, the rotations Coach Modi may or need. So um, all hands on deck. Look, they've got the best import trio in the league. They've got great Kiwi and Aussie backup. They are playing well. They're on a three-game win streak. They've beaten the number one team in the league in their house uh, recently. So everything's looking good for the breakers. But, of course, you've got to finish the deal come the playoffs. That's when it really matters. So uh, this is set-up time and uh, the big big games lie ahead. Well, let's go, the breakers. Thanks so much, Mark. And that's it for this episode of The Podium. Thanks to our guests, producer Philippa Tolley and sound editor Sam Scannell. Who do you think's going to win the Cricket World Cup? And the series between the Black Caps and England. Tell us at thepodium at stuff.co.nz and don't forget to like us wherever you get your podcasts from so you never miss a new episode. Until next week, I'm Zoe George. Kakite anō. Go well. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates soccer? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. <laughs>